Hallelujah. Maybe the most powerful worship <clears throat> set I've ever been a part of in my entire life. I'm so thankful to watch and get to observe God move and God do things that could never be anticipated or hard to believe at times are unacceptable by many, many that are even part of the church. And this week, uh, I've just seen God move in so many ways, and it has convicted me, really, because <clears throat> many times we get so comfortable where we are that we fail to realize where we're supposed to be going that we get so complacent with the way things are that we forget how we are supposed to be growing. And so we sit still and we, we're content with what we have. And in one way, we should be content with what we have, not desiring the things of the world, but in another way, you should never be content with where you are because Jesus Christ is eternal he is eternally fulfilling and enlightening. He is eternally powerful and significant. And we should be continually chasing after him, becoming more and more like him every minute of every day. With every breath that we take, we should become more powerful by the indwelling and the realization of the Holy Spirit. How many people have been sitting in the church for 50 years, but they are weak and powerless? And you question whether or not they even know the Lord. I do not want that for myself. And I do not want that for you. I do not get up here for my own health. I do not get up here for money. I do not get up here for fame or significance. But I get up here because I cannot shut up about Jesus. It is a fire in my bones. And woe is me if I hold it in. I will burn from the inside out. And I get up here because you need to see Jesus Christ so that you might be transformed in your puny little lives. I need to hear the gospel so that I might be transformed in my puny little life and that I might become someone who is used by God as a vessel for transformation and carrying the water of eternal life. How many in the room sit still and do nothing when God is calling you? to move mountains. This morning we're going to talk about <clears throat> that action and can you turn this down just a hair? It's echoing in my ear a little bit. We're going to talk about the story of the 10 lepers and I'm sure many of you are familiar with the story of the 10 lepers in uh, Luke chapter 17. That's where we're going to be this morning. You're familiar with the story of the 10 lepers and how Jesus Christ, he interacted with the lepers and he he cleansed them, he sent them on their way and he cleansed them and he made them new and he took away their disease, he took away their, their affirmity, he made them acceptable again and we're going to look at the response of those lepers and, and how Jesus Christ interacted and expected for them to interact and respond to him. I want you this morning, church, to ask yourself, how has, how has Jesus Christ responded to you? But it can't stop there because we must ask, how have you responded to him? 
How have we responded to this great king who has done this great work for us? Now, I'll be talking today to non-believers and to believers because at the end of the day, Jesus Christ died for everyone, for all sins, for every sin to be cast away into a seal for forgetfulness, for every sin to be washed over and cleansed by his blood, never to be paid for again. Before we get into the scripture and before we get into the sermon, let's pray and ask God one more time to show us his glory. Jesus, I come before you once again, Lord, and I know that you hear our prayers. I know it because I've seen it. God, I know that you are a saving God. You are an all-powerful God. You are a God that is sufficient. I pray that you would send the Spirit now to convict our hard hearts, God, that you would send the Spirit now to open blind eyes and closed ears, that the gospel of Jesus Christ would go forward and it would have an amazing impact on the lives of those here, whether they are believers or non-believers. God, for the lost, I pray that they would be found today. For those who have, who have turned their nose up and walked away, who claim to be believers, God, I pray that they would see their iniquity and their sin and that they would return, that they would repent, and that they would give themselves to you as living sacrifices, that they might be used in order to save a dying world and to glorify you in your majesty. I pray, God, for those in the room who are digging, who are moving, who are pressing in. God, I pray that their motivation and their, their spirit would be strengthened even more, that they would have a hunger that would, that would make anyone stand in awe. God, that they would have a hunger that would please you, that they would have a hunger that would be satisfied. I pray, God, that we would not be careful, but that we would be faithful. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 17 verses 11 through 19. We're looking at the account of the 10 lepers that cried out to Jesus for healing and for cleansing. The verses here are, uh, are a set of verses that when we read them we see three things. We see three things in these verses. These verses show us the way that sinners are to approach Christ. Number one, it shows us how to approach Christ. Number two, it shows us how Jesus Christ responds to those unclean sinners. And then number three, it shows us how we should respond to what Jesus Christ has done in us. So it shows us how to approach Jesus. It shows how Jesus responds to us, and it shows how we are, are to respond to him both for believers and non-believers, it holds true. Let's read the verses and then we will walk through them. <clears throat> On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at, at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, 
Were, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Let me give you a little bit of context on these verses and a little information that will help you to distinguish and to understand what's going on in these verses. The first thing we see is that they stood at a distance and they cried out to Jesus and lifted their voice all together. You must understand that lepers in those days, this was a disease that ruined and wrecked your body. Leprosy is the disease that actually takes all the pigmentation out of your skin and it will leave you white as snow and it will leave you decrepit and poor and it will start to eat away at your body, making you look fairly disgusting and wretched. And this particular disease was, was hand in hand associated with, wrath of, with the wrath of God and with the sin of man. And so many people, many of the priests in that day, it was just common for all the priests in that day to say, this person has sinned against God. He is unclean and therefore cannot participate or be a part of the community at hand. He is an outcast. And so they actually even made laws uh, for these lepers that they had to keep a certain distance from the clean people in the society. And as they approached anyone clean, they had to announce their uncleanliness so that the people would know not to get near them. So this is just factual uh, information here. These lepers that were in the city, they had to go somewhere. They wouldn't just hang. They wouldn't just killed. So they would move about the city lots of times like this in packs or in, in, uh, in groups uh, because they were outcasts. They were going to group together. And so they would move around and they would, they, would, they would have to actually move around something like this uh, depending on the stage of their leprosy. And they would look really bad and their, their organs would start to fail and their voices would be bad. So if, if you got close to me and you were clean, by law, I had to say, unclean, 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 so that you could get away from me. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being an outcast in this way? And not only being an outcast, being alone, being wretched, being pitiful and poor, but having to announce to everyone that you are such. Make way. I am disgusting and I am coming through. Some of you feel that very way today. You feel as if you have nothing to offer the world, that you are broken, alone and poor, and that everyone knows to stay away from you. And you very well may be right. Should the world stay away from you because you are steeped in sin and the unfaithfulness of God and that you are a son of Satan and it is your work to tear down those around you? I only say this because I know I was that guy. Before I came to Christ, I was hell's son. And there are several in the room here today that can tell you that it was one of my life's goals to see how many people I could tear from the righteousness that might be God. If you were coming with me, we were going to see how drunk you could get 
how high you could get, who you could fight, how many laws you could break. And I literally had parents chase me down on the streets and beg and plead and threaten me because I was hanging around their kids. They wanted me to stay away because I was unclean. An unrighteous man who brought people low. There was another in this group. One was a Samaritan and that it wasn't enough for him to be a leper and for his body to be wasting away, but he was a Samaritan, which the Samaritans, if you know anything about the scripture, if you've been in church any time, you know that Samaritans were an outcast people. They were, uh, they were a, uh, a interracial people who uh, the Jews looked down on uh, that they had uh, mingled with the surrounding nations and they were uh, unpure. They were, uh, they were not uh, the children of Abraham and they were looked as a cursed people. So this Samaritan uh, was the outcast of outcasts. He had leprosy, he had a disease, he was unclean, and he had to announce his uncleanliness, but he was also a Samaritan. So Jews, the people of God, did not associate with Samaritans, even if they didn't have leprosy, much less if they did. So you see the situation that these leopards find themselves in. You see the situation that they find themselves in of needing to be cleansed. Many of you, many of us, need so desperately to see our need to be cleansed. There are so many in the room that think that they're just fine. That's a little bit of context, a little bit of understanding of these 10 people who uh, had approached Jesus and quite naturally, the response of any good Jew should have been to never associate, to never talk to this group of people, to never approach this group of people because they're unclean, they are sinners, they're outcasts, they're cursed of God, so we must stay away from these people. But what does Jesus do? Let's look first at how they approached Jesus. How do, how do those who are unclean, how do they approach Christ? How do we come near to Christ? How do we come near to him? In what way do we draw near to God? Because the fact of the matter is that everybody in the room is a sinner. Every person in the room is a sinner. We are all sinners. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all fell short. So how are we to approach Christ? We can learn from these 10 lepers. Let's read the text. It says, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. So they put the law to the side. They put the norms to the side and, and they cried out, Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. 
It, see, it said that they, they as, as he entered a village, as he entered, see, immediately upon seeing Jesus Christ, they ran to him. They came toward him. They said, Jesus, Jesus. They did not wait till the right timing. They did not rate, wait till, until it was appropriate. They did not get cleaned up first. They could not get cleaned up first. They had to approach him immediately. Why? They had to approach him immediately because of their condition. They could not wait. They had been this way too long. They did not want to be this way anymore. They saw their condition and they approached him immediately as he entered the village on his way in. He had not been in town five minutes and they approached him. Jesus, Master, we are to come to Christ immediately knowing of his presence, and he is here this morning. Do not delay. Come to the Savior even now, even today. If you feel the Lord moving your spirit, if you, if you feel the Lord calling you to repentance, if you feel the Lord calling you to cleansing, then don't wait till the end of the message. Jesus Christ is here. Why would you wait? Come forward. Get down on your knees. Get down on your face and say, Lord, cleanse me for I am a sinner. Why do we have to wait and, and why do we have to play by the rules if Jesus Christ cleanses us from sins and forgives us of all iniquities? Then we should run to the altar at any time we see the need to do so. His forgiveness is what we need. The Bible tells us, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2, says, Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Friend, you could walk out that door right now and you could be hit by a car never to breathe again. Are you ready? You could die of a heart attack where you sit right now and this, this worship service could turn into a morning service. We are not promised tomorrow. We are not promised another breath. We are not promised another breath. If there was a snake under your chair and I told you that it was there and you looked and you saw it and it was about to bite you and kill you, you would get up and move immediately. I'm telling you that death is at your door and without Jesus Christ, you are dead forevermore. Get out of your seat, O sinner. Let us not wait for the right time. It's foolishness. I tell you of hope. I tell you of a life saving and altering God. Hebrews 3.15 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. There are those of you under the sound of my voice that are already combating what I say. Maybe it's because you know me and you know my past. Maybe it's because you know yourself and you know your past. Maybe it's because you love the world too much. Maybe it's because you have not opened your eyes to see Jesus. But I say to you anyway today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Come to Jesus. 
He's the way, the truth, and the life. Second thing, they came humbly knowing their condition. You see, it says there, it says that, and the ten lepers, as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices. You see, they understood their condition. They understood their disease. They understood their uncleanliness. They saw their sin and was moved to, to reach out to Christ, to approach Christ, to come to Christ. How can you be saved from something that you do not know exists? How can you need to be saved when there's nothing to be saved from? Many of us say, oh, I'm a good person. Oh, I don't believe in that stuff anyway. Oh, I'll I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, I, I give to the poor. Oh, I come to church. Oh, I do this and I do that. Let me tell you the truth today that none of that is anything but waste and dust and nothing more. It is not, it is not your works that brings you into the presence of the Lord, but it is your faith that brings you into the presence of the Lord. We need to understand today that we are unclean, and you know it. I don't have to convince you of it. You just need to acknowledge it. Everyone sitting in this room are sinners, and we know that. We know that. You see... The problem is is that we know it so much that we don't think that we can come. You see, there was a balance here that they knew that they were sinners. They knew that they were outcasts. But instead of holding back, instead of saying, oh, I can't approach Jesus because I'm dirty. I can't approach Jesus because I am diseased. I can't approach Jesus because, because of everything that I've got going on in my life. No. You see, we cannot, let, we cannot let our sin hinder us from coming to the master, but we must let it catapult us into his presence. You see, these lepers knew that there was no other way to be cleansed. They had exhausted all options. I'm telling you today that you are sitting in this room, and I know that you have already exhausted every option that you thought that you had. You've done the the drugs. You've done the money. You've done the greed. You've done the relationships. You've done the marriages. You've done it all, but maybe you haven't done Christ because Christ is all in all, and he is the only way. You see, we stand and we say, but I'm too much of a sinner, which is the very reason you need to run to Jesus. The Bible tells us in the book of, in the book of Matthew, I'm sorry, in the book of Luke, I think it's in Matthew 2, but Luke 5, 30 through 32, listen to this, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician. Those that are well have no need of a doctor. But those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I have not come to call the righteous, but I have come to call the sinners to repentance. You see, they, were, they came humbly. They knew, they knew they were unclean, and it didn't stop them but it pushed them. The third way that they came was they came unified. And when I read this, and I've been reading some other things, some commentaries and some other sermons, and one thing stuck out to me, and it it resonates with me because back when I used to run around crazy and and do the things that I did, it amazed, it didn't amaze me then. And we're still, you know, I look at it and I say, 
most odd. And what I mean is this. The lepers were outcast. They were sinners. They had a Samaritan in the group that they would have never been friends if they had not been lepers. You see, their sin and their uncleanliness pushed them together. And they were unified as they come, for the scripture says, and as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices. So they, they all stood together and all in unison cried out to the Lord, Master, have mercy on us. How well would the church do if we were united in our faith as much as sinners are in their sin? How many times have you been to a bar and it be packed with people saying, I love you, man. Drunk on wine, leaning on one another, loving one another. How much more should we be drunk on the spirit, embracing one another, waging war to the death? We start bucket groups and small groups and it's Twisting arms to get people to go, but you throw a party and bring some weed and everybody's there. Put it on Facebook one time. Even the police come. <laughs> if only the church was as united in its salvation as the world is in its sins we would flip this place on its head. John 13, 34 through 35. And this is not just a good idea, it's a command. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Something that Wesley said earlier really stuck out to me and it's powerful he said you know what Jesus Christ because and the reason I go back to this listen to what it says right here a new commandment I give to you that you love one another how are we to love one another how are we to love one another look on the screen and, and tell me how just at, come on let's say it together just as I have loved you how did Jesus love us he loved us to the death the hell was literally beat out of him but he stood the test of time. And Wesley is absolutely right. How do you know Jesus loves you? How do you know Jesus won't give up on you? How do you know that he does have the power to do what he said that he would do and he will do it? How do you know? How do you know? Romans 5, 8 tells us how. Right? For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How do you know? But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, if there was any time, you say, I'm too, I'm too dirty to come. I can't come. I'm too dirty to come. Jesus, he's not powerful enough for this. He would never want me there. He would never want me there. So I'm going to congregate over here. I'm going to be steeped in sin because I'm steeped in sin. But what Jesus Christ is saying is, is that I came for sinners. This is why I came. But you stand in your sin and you refuse to come because of your sin. But I came to cleanse of sin. This is what I'm here for. I came to cleanse 
from sin. But we refuse to let him in. If Jesus Christ was ever going to give up on you, if he was ever going to turn his back and walk away, if he was ever going to say, yours are too much for me to handle, your sins are too great for me to cleanse, your sins stick out too much, your sins are overbearing, your sins are too disgusting, and your sins are too many. If he was ever going to say any of that, don't you think that it would have been before the last lash of the whip? Wouldn't he have said enough? The Bible tells me that he could call 10 legions of angels at any moment to end it. Don't you think if he was going to give up on you, he would have come down off the cross before he breathed his last? Before eternal separation from God Almighty, the Father? No. His love for you is seen in the fact that he stayed on the cross. Though you spit in his face. As he wiped it off, he said, I love you anyway. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. And this, my friend, is how we are to love others. You can't even begin to do that until the power and the blood washes over your filth. Once you are reborn and empowered by the Holy Spirit, then you can love yourself. Then you can love your neighbor. Then you can love your children. Then you can love your God. Then you can be somebody. Not until. Why? Because there is no righteousness in and of ourselves. You have nothing good to offer the world. You have only hell and damnation. And a wickedly contagious sin you will do one of two things walk into a room and breathe sin or walk into a room and shine light you will bring people low or you will lift people up how did Jesus respond to the lepers and I know we're a little late but worship was awesome and uh, we need the word of God if you need to go for some reason. It's raining. You ain't got nowhere to go. <laughs> and since you had to paddle a boat to get here, I figured y'all wanted to hear God's word, right? Amen. Amen. How did Jesus respond to the unclean lepers? How did he respond to the sinners? What was his reaction to them as they approached him? Because many of us are scared to approach Christ, right? Because what? We think he's going to thump us in the head and be like, get out of here. You know? I do that. <laughs> Yesterday, where was I? Oh, I was at, um, I was at Shanda and Jimmy's uh, celebration from where they adopted Ethan. And it was awesome. Adoption is a wonderful picture of the gospel. It really is. And we went to the celebration that they were having. And uh, they asked me to say a few words. And so I was, saying, I was saying a few words. And I started to pray. And Ezekiel, my four-year-old, is right here. And Titus, my seven-year-old, is right here. And they are absolutely respectful when we pray. You know, they are, they're really good. They usually are. And... Uh, They'll pray at dinner, and they'll, they'll lead the prayer. And, you know, if one of them's acting, it's cool, because if one of them's acting up, one of the other ones will be like, we're praying, you know? So that's pretty cool most of the time. 
But for whatever reason, I like got a microphone in my hand. Did I have a microphone? I might not have had a microphone. No, no microphone, just talking loud. And I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm, I'm talking. And then I start praying and Ezekiel starts just talking to Titus. Just, and so everybody's quiet because I'm praying and I'm the only one talking. And so I'm just have this noise just coming up. And so I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to stop praying. So I just... <laughs> And he was like this. And, I, and as I was praying, I was going like this. Lord, be with these. And thank you so much that you've provided, Ethan. <laughs> you know? Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't, he doesn't approach us that way. As we come to him, he doesn't smack us down. He doesn't cast us out. He doesn't put, put foot to tail. You know, he doesn't do any of that. What does he do? He laid down his life for you. Why would he kick you out? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man would open the door, I would come in and eat with him and he with me. Amen? That's good. That's good news for you. That's good news for me. Because who wants stinky, dirty, nasty, wretched sinners at their dinner table? Jesus does. And how are we to love we are to bring them in. You remember the whole parable, and I don't have time for this, and it's not in here, but the whole parable about Jesus Christ sending, or God sending out the invitation and nobody responded. And so the, the, the guy, the owner, it was a parable about uh, a, a guy throwing a banquet and nobody showed up. So he's like, forget them. Go out into the byways and the highways and the roadsides and the ditches. Go out and get the, the broken and the lonely and the weary. And so because the 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 upright wouldn't come. The lowly got to come. Praise God. Praise God we get to come. Well, he responded to them immediately. <clears throat> it says, they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. That's my leper voice. I heard another guy do that one time. It was kind of pretty cool, so I tried it. <laughs> but you got to do the thing like this first. Let's try that. You want to try that together? Uh, everybody do like this. Okay, you, this is leprosy. Come on, everybody. Get out of your comfort zone. No, you too. Come on. Yeah, you. You. Put your hands up. All right, there you go. Say, master. That's pretty good. Come on, one more time. With, from, from here. From here. Master. Come on, y'all ain't doing it. Y'all ain't too cool for school. Come on. Last time. Master, have mercy. Well, y'all didn't want to do that part? Look at my wife. Right now, everybody turn and look. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, babe. Listen to this. He responded immediately because when they called out to him, when they cried out to him in this diseased, infected voice, it says, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Go and show yourselves to the priest. So he immediately responded. He said, I've got, a, I've got a solution to this. I've got a solution. I can help you with this. Go and show yourself to the priest. Now, the natural response would have been, why would we go and show ourselves to the priest? Because, see, the priests are the one who declares them unclean so that they have to go around. So they have to abide by the laws and have to go around saying, unclean, unclean. And so basically what they in their natural mind, in a fleshly mind, would have said, why would we go and show ourselves to the priest? They've already condemned us. But instead of saying that, what did they do? They obeyed. 
They turned and they went. Jesus Christ answers them immediately. I want to tell you right now, folks, I want to tell you right now that there's good news. That Jesus Christ is not delaying, he's not weak, he's not slow, he's not unable, he is ready, willing, and able to save right now. For anybody who would want to be saved, he can save you right now. If you would only not delay, that if you would come humbly to the Lord, he would save you today. How many will hold on to the back of their seats? He can save you today. Listen to Listen to 2 Peter 3, 9 and 10. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. No. But is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day, now listen, there is, there is another part of this. Keep it up there. There is another part of this because what he's saying is, is that he is absolutely not slow But there is something else coming behind it. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. The Lord is willing to save you right now. But right now and and in just a moment, the next moment is not guaranteed. If you call on the Lord now, you will be saved. But the next moment you may not be here because the Lord may burn all of this up and you may stand before him and everything that you've ever done be exposed and have no covering. Remember the tabernacle? Remember the atonement cover? Without the blood of Jesus Christ and the atoned body of Jesus Christ, you stand naked and bare and you will pay for your own sin. Now, every one of you know the sins that you have. You want that to be you? Do you really want to stand before the Lord God Almighty who is righteous in every way and have your whole life of sin played on a videotape for everybody to see? And then the judge say, guilty. What's the alternative? You will still see your sin and you will still be declared guilty. But Job tells us, I know that I have an advocate with the Father. So Jesus Christ says, hold on, your honor. I know that he's guilty. I know that he deserves the death penalty. And I know that it's coming for him and it is here. But I have paid the price for this one. We have an advocate with the Father. You will stand naked and bare and pay for your own sin, or your sins will have been paid for by the blood of the Lamb. He is not slow. He answers immediately. I want to show you the second thing here is that he cleansed them as they went. You see, we might think, we might think as we read this story, see, Jesus Christ gave them a detailed command. He gave them a work that if they did this work, then they would be cleansed, okay? How many of you think, yeah, that sounds pretty good. How many of you think that's right? This is not an answer. Come on, that's, that's okay. We read that story, it looks like that. It looks like when you read the story, it says, They approach Jesus, Master, uh, have mercy on us. Jesus looks at him and says, go show yourself to the priest. So you would associate that seemingly, I might would in the front end. I would associate that. I would look and say, okay, Jesus Christ has given them a work they can fulfill. And if they do their part, then he will do his part. And if they will go and show themselves, then he will do what he said he was going to do. So it's kind of a 50-50 thing that you need to do what you need to do. And Jesus will do what Jesus does. And God only helps those who help themselves, right? No. 
Notice something else here that takes us away from that understanding. It says here, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. They did not have an opportunity to go and do what he told them to do before they were cleansed and healed. It was not the doing of the work that their cleansing came through. It was the faithful obedience to do what God had called them to do. It was by faith that they were cleansed. You see that? Does everybody understand that? It's very important. Because your works do not cleanse you, but your faith does. And this is the last part of the sermon is that Jesus Christ is offering us this cleansing. He is offering us this cleansing if we will only be faithful to him, if we will only believe, if we will only come to him, if we will only lay down our lives before him. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Amen. If the Lord is moving in your soul, you get up and move now. Praise God for that obedience. Let me tell you this, is that Jesus Christ is eager to save and he's eager to cleanse. And when we sang the song, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Remember that? God is looking to break your chains, but you're hiding them behind your back. The last part is how did the 10 respond to the cleansing that they had received? Now, everyone in this room are in one of these categories. And this is the last thing that we'll say. The band can come on out. How did the 10 respond to the cleansing? There were two different responses that we find here. And I want you to ask yourself, where are you? I want you to ask yourself... Let me see a show of hands for those who care about the truth. Who cares about the truth? You should care about the truth. And you should care about not just the truth that I'm preaching out of God's word, but you should care about the truth in your life. Who are you? Where are you? And what are you doing? How have you responded to what Jesus Christ has done? Because it it is very revealing with who you really are. There were two responses. Let's read here. It says, uh, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Their faith, their movement. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. Praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, listen to this. He said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. In other words, and the word here can be translated another way, that your faith has saved you. Just because you've experienced some cleansing, just because you've experienced some physical blessing, just because Jesus Christ has relieved you of some of the addiction in your life does not mean that your soul has been saved. 
Let me tell you right now, there are many people who have tasted the good gift of Jesus. They have tasted the things to come. They have tasted the word of the Lord. They have put it on their lips and it has been sweet to their lips. And they have, they have sprang up like the seed on the shallow soil. Only to die back and fade away. There are those seeds that have been cast in the thorny ground. Only to be choked out by the things of the world. And they never return to Jesus to lay prostrate on the ground, to lay with their face on the ground and say, Lord, 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 where are you, child of God? Where are you, O sinner? How will you respond to the Lord? You see, the one, there was the nine and there was the one. Are you one of the nine or are you the one? Are you one of the nine or are you the one? You see, there was the one. And I want to look at a few things right here. I just want you to look at this. You see, there was the one. He was stopped in his tracks through the cleansing of his master. He was brought near to Jesus rather than at a distance. You see, before, before he was cleansed, before he interacted with Jesus, he, sta- he had to stand at a distance and say, Master. But as Jesus sent him on his way in faith, as seeing that he was healed, he was stopped immediately. And no longer was he after the things of the world. He didn't make excuses that he needed to go and tend to this and he needed to go and tend to that. But he had to. He had to. He had to turn and run and fall at the feet of Jesus. Which would have taken him from a long distance to right at the feet. Are you still a long way off or are you at the feet of Jesus? There's only one place to be, child of God. You see, his voice was even louder in his cleansing. In the first part, it said they lifted their voice. In this part, it says that as he turned back to praise God, he lifted his voice with a loud voice. Then he said, praise God. We're so embarrassed and we're so shy. Do you realize what Jesus has done for you? Do you realize that he's cleansed you from all unrighteousness? Brother, I want to tell you right now that God is wanting to use you to move mountains if you'll just get out of the way. There's no difference between me and you and you and you. God has a plan and Jesus Christ is all powerful and all it takes from us is to be cleansed and to be moved. His voice was even louder. His feet gave way to his knees and his face hit the ground with thanks. His feet gave way and his face hit the ground. He blessed Jesus and acknowledged him rightfully as God. He received true salvation that day, for it says, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well or saved you. But where were the nine? You see, they ran away with the blessing. They ran away with the blessing. They did not come back to the feet of Jesus. They were blessed and they ran away with the blessing. How many in the church have run away with the blessing? not sharing it with anyone else around. 
How many hold on to the things that God has done and, and they don't tell anybody about it. They don't come to Jesus about it. They don't share it. They don't, they don't do anything with it. So they squander it away, making no return on God's investment. It is not for you to hold in. It is not for you to steal away. It is for you to hold up and say, Christ the King. It is not for you to steal. Where are the nine? Are you one of the nine? Even in the church. Even in this church. We fight and we struggle. And you know, people have told me as we've planted the church and as we do volunteer training and things like that, people have told me, never seem as if you're desperate for volunteers because you don't want them to see that. We live in the light as his in the light, right? And we've got good people. But I want to tell you right now, it's a fight to get people to work. Am I lying, volunteers? There are volunteers up here and you see them. And I see them in and out of here every Sunday. And they work themselves to the bone. And they come to me and they say, Brandon, can you not find us any help? Where are the nine? Is it one in ten that will stand up and work for the Lord? Is it one in ten that will run to his feet and fall on their face? Is it one in ten that will put their hand to the plow and never turn back? Where's the second? Where's the third? Where's the fourth? Where are you? Are you a true child of God that's been transformed by the King? Or have you received some blessings and you're content until next Sunday? Where are you? Where's the nine? What would it look like if 10 came and fell at the feet of Jesus? What would our community look like if we were united as those sinners were united? What would it look like if we were moved to cry out in a loud voice? What would it look like? As we all stand to our feet, I tell you, this sermon today broke me. I want to tell you a little story, and we're about done. God showed me something this past week. It was about two or three weeks ago we were talking about miracles and we were talking about seeing God move and we were talking. And I want to tell you, I was broken up here a little early, earlier and I want to tell you why. It's because I struggle in my faith sometimes, believe it or not. And I'm not scared to admit that to you. I may be standing up here, but I'm a man. I am a man, and I try to be God's man, and I know that God's got his hand on me, and I believe that God has saved me, and I believe that God has empowered me to do awesome things, but I also know that I'm a sinner, and a lot of times I get in the way. And the other week we were having a discussion, and miracles have always been something that I've always said, I believe, I believe, I believe, but at the end of the day, I always wondered, do I really believe? And I asked a question to a group of, of believers that I was meeting with why is it that we don't just see them all the time why is it that I've never really seen something like that and the Lord convicted me that next week he said you mean to tell me that you've not been aware of the miracle after miracle after miracle that I've been doing and then I was on a wreck the other night and uh, we got a call at 1.30 in the morning and uh, we ran a we ran, I'm on the fire department and we ran a call on the interstate and just the night before or the day before maybe two days before I can't remember exactly 
me and my family had just gotten back from vacation and it was me and my wife, my three sons and my mom, grandma, not my grandma, but their grandma. <clears throat> and we had just gotten in, we had unpacked everything. And was it that night, Heather? It's a couple days later. I got this call at 1.30 in the morning and I, I ran out there and, and I got there a little bit late and I, I ran across the interstate and I ran up there and the scene is this. The scene is five people sitting in a bunch, a mom and a dad, three little girls, and there was a grandma. But the grandma was laying about 10 foot away covered up with a sheet. She was gone. And I didn't notice it at first, but I just went over around and I got down on my knees between the grandma who had passed and the family and I just started praying. And I looked, and there was a little girl who appeared to be about four years old. My Ezekiel is four years old. And she was laying there, and she was awake, but she was out of it, and just, just limp, just a noodle. But her eyes were open, and they kept checking her pupils, and I just was praying, and I was praying, Lord, please, God, help that little girl be okay. And there was paramedics there and they were working frantically and, and I, don't, I don't do that, I'm just a fireman. And so I was standing, there's nothing I can do and I was, I was on my knees like this and I had all my turnout gear on, a fire suit on and there's nothing I could do. She was right there and I was on my knees and I was just praying, God, please, God, please. And I hear them saying they're checking her pupils, it's not looking good, there's no response. I can see that she's got her eyes open but her her arms are just limp, it's like she's brain dead. And uh, she was in a car seat, but she was just in a booster, and the car was coming down the interstate, and I guess it got out of the road or something. Anyway, it hit the end of the guardrail, and it flipped several times and ended up in the median. And the grandmother was tossed out of the car, and uh, the little girl was just bobbling around in the back seat, and they thought that maybe she had brain damage or, anyway, unresponsive. And I kept hearing the Lord say, touch that girl on the head and pray for her and I said Lord no I can't do that he said touch the little girl on the head and pray for her I've got something that I want to do and I said Lord I can pray for her from here she's just right there you see if I to get to her I would have to crawl on my hands and knees and I would have to push paramedics out of the way and I would have to reach in and touch this little girl knowing that there is no business for me to be over there because I'm a fireman I'm not a paramedic and so it seemed like forever that I sit there and I sit there and I sit there and I fought it and I prayed and I fought it and I prayed. And the Lord said, what if, what if I want to use you to save this girl's life? Will you sit in utter pride thinking that you know best? Will you cross your arms and sit still, oh nine? Will you sit still when there is work to be done? Will you sit still when I want to use you to save a life? Will you sit still? Will you disobey me right now? And I said, Lord, I'm right here. I can pray for her. And they were putting her on the stretcher and they got her head all strapped up and they put her little limp arm up there and it fell off and they put it up again and they strapped it on where it would stay. And I leaned over and I told the paramedic, I said, how, is she okay? Is she going to be okay? And the paramedic, it was a guy and a girl, and the girl looked at me. She said, it doesn't look good. This is, I'm on the scene. This is this week. And I said, okay, Lord. And so I crawled over on my hands and knees and kind of bar barreled these paramedics out of the way, and I just laid my hand on the little girl's head, 
And I said, please, God, save this girl's life. And I got out of there because I was scared to death. I don't even know why. And I knew that that would be the last I heard of it because Robert is the assistant chief there. And I asked him just to make sure the other day, do we ever hear about how it goes? And we never hear about how it goes. Unless you know the person, you don't ever, you don't ever know. And so I thought, Lord, please let that little girl be okay. And my heart was breaking. And it wasn't 20 minutes later, somebody came up to me and said, those little girls are okay. See, they were going to fly in a helicopter. They came and they said, that little girl's okay. That little girl's going to be okay. And I said, are you, are you kidding me? Are you serious? Are you serious? It was a miracle. And I don't tell you that lightly. And I don't tell you that to say anything about me because I'll tell you right now, I was, I was absolutely in doubt and I was scared to death and I didn't want to do it and I fought with the Lord and I was not obedient, not like I should. But the Lord showed me. And I went over and I, I verified it with a paramedic. I said, is, is she really okay? And the paramedics had to come back to the scene to get a truck and said, yeah, she's okay. And I thought, oh my God. God really is powerful to save even to the uttermost, the uttermost. And the last thing I want to say, because he showed me again today. And it it absolutely, it just blew my mind. I was standing down here earlier. And we were worshiping our great God and Savior. And I stepped out in front. And I raised my hands and the Lord told me, men are going to come from your right and from your left. And I believed him. And so I started looking. I said, Lord, where are they? I'm telling you, this was this morning. You don't, I don't care if you don't believe me. I'm telling you right now. I said, Lord, where are they? The Lord said, they're going to come from your right and they're going to come from your left. And so I stepped another step out and I said, Lord, where are they? I don't see them, but I believe, God. I believe you're going to do it. I believe now in miracles more than I ever have. I believe in your proclamation. I believe in what you're going to do. And he said they're going to come from the right and from the left. And they're going to get... They're going to pray with you. And they're going to pray for these people with you. And I said, I believe you, Lord. Where are they? And I started to doubt again. I said, Lord, where are they? I know they're going to come. You said it. Where are they? And then he said, you got to get on your knees before they'll come. And I fought it for a second, but then I went and hit my knees. And I looked and men were on my left and men were on my right. And I'm telling you, church, when we hit our knees, then we will change the world. When we hit our knees, when we obey, when we go to the Lord on our knees, when we return to the Lord in thankfulness and gratefulness, men will stand alongside of us. Lives will be changed and this community will be wrecked. You got a friend who's broken? Hit your knees, child of God. You got sin in your own life that needs to be broken. You hit your knees. God showed me this morning more than he ever has that he is quick to answer prayer. That he is faithful and true. That he will never, ever walk away from you. And that if you will only seek him, you will find him. If you will only look to him, he will find you. And there is nothing, there is nothing great. There is nothing too great for the Lord to do God is moving this morning and if you're in a hurry if you're upset because I've stayed long then by all means go but I pray that you would come
I pray that this morning that your heart would be beaten with the life that Jesus Christ gave and you would no longer hide it under a bushel. You would no longer, that you would no, no longer whisper and say, please, please don't walk the other way. Come to the Savior. Come because the hours are few and the lives are many. Come because your sins are many, but his blood is great. Come because there's nowhere else to go. There's nowhere else to go. Those of you who are scared and alone, those of you who are weak and afraid, come to the Savior. He will never cast you out. Those of you who are too dirty, those of you who are too dirty, come because you are really actually not too dirty. There is nothing that he cannot do. Is there any in here who have been the nine and walked away, but you want to be the one and fall on your face? Are there any in here who are overwhelmed and slaves to sin and you've been trying for many years now to no avail and you can't find any worth, you can't find any freedom, you can't find anything that would set you free from this bondage? I want to tell you about a God who has the key to hell and he's ready and willing to take that lock off. I'm going to get out of the way. But I am pleading with you this morning to get on your face. That your faith may save you. Unite.